ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. It's Friday, October 23rd, 2015, and we are finally getting a little bit of a nip in the air here in Florida, which is always such a treat because it takes so long, uh, and I know that people don't have a lot of sympathy for us uh, when I've heard that uh, there have already been some snowflakes up north. Well, today we are going to talk about embracing the unpredictable and engineering the unexpected. The book that we're talking about is called Surprise, and our guest today is Tanya Luna, and Tanya has a fascinating story, and I am hoping that she will indulge us and tell us a little bit of her own personal story before we jump into the topic of surprise. Tanya, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Well, we are too. We are too. This is a really great treat. You know, this this show, we've been doing it for eight years now, and we talk a lot about uh, leadership and growth and innovation, uh, but I will say that in eight years and 400 shows, we have never talked about surprise. So <laughs> what a great topic. Thank you. And my guess is that you actually have been talking about surprise all along and didn't even realize it. I feel like it's under the surface in so many different topics. You know, I think you're probably right. Well, before we dive into the book, I would really love for you to share a bit of your story. I, I had the pleasure of watching, uh, you know, one of your TED Talks and where you did share your story. And it was so cool to see the pictures that you used, uh, you know, to talk through your background and your story. Would you share a little bit of that with our listeners? I will try awkwardly. I'm so used to talking about surprise. I'm a little less excited, comfortable talking about myself, but I, I thank you for asking. Um, I wasn't expecting to talk on that subject um, at the TED event, um, so it kind of bubbled to the surface, but uh, I, I guess just the, the sort of shortish version is, um, well, I guess it starts with uh, shortly after I was born in Ukraine, um, the Chernobyl accident happened, and as a result of that, uh, Many people who were in some way affected got asylum to the United States. So I guess in this weird, very unlucky, very lucky combo, I got really sick as a result of Chernobyl, and I was in the hospital for almost a year. But the silver lining was that we got tickets to come to America. And wow. so my whole, <laughs> yeah, so my whole family, um, including our dog, uh, we packed up basically everything we owned. Seriously? I didn't <laughs> yeah. remember the story about the dog. I don't know if I mentioned my dog. Our dog, Lima, our Ukrainian dog, uh, flew to the United States. We um, snuck her into the hotel that we were staying at. Um, we put all of our belongings into duffel bags that my mom sewed because in Ukraine at the time, they didn't really sell luggage, so you had to make your own luggage. Um, and so we were this ragtag group of immigrants, and uh, there were many surprises, a lot of change. Um, one of the things that was really surprising 
moving forward is about 10 years later, we wanted to celebrate the anniversary of us, us being in the United States. And we went back to that hotel that we stayed at and we said, hey, can we rent a room for the night we wanted to celebrate here? And they said, you can't rent a room here. It's a homeless shelter. <laughs> so well, we had no idea that we were actually staying at a shelter. Yeah. Um, because, you know, where we lived, it was exciting to have indoor plumbing. And so, you know, I guess my story and maybe how I unconsciously got interested in small surprises is um, there were so many small surprises in my childhood and so many little adventures, um, some bad, but even the bad ones had this sort of air of mystery and drama to them. <laughs> so I, right. I grew up on, on adventure, I guess. Well, and, you know, I would be interested in hearing from you, and, you know, we we can probably talk about this after we talk about the whole structure of surprise, which sounds kind of funny to to think Mm -hmm. that it it has a structure to it, but you you do have to understand it, and you have to understand the impact, uh, you know, of how it occurs in even in our own brains. And I was thinking as as you were telling your stories uh, on the TED Talk, I was wondering how much of the things that were surprising to you were because of your upbringing and and how much we miss here in our culture where, you know, we we don't want for much. And and we, you know, uh, I I suspect most of us would walk right past a penny that was stuck to the floor and that was all sticky, right? And and you tell the story um, in what you thought was the hotel, right? And it turns out it was a homeless shelter, not just later, but even when you were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about understanding surprise because, you know, again, you made the comment that we probably have been talking about surprise a lot on this show, but not even understanding that that's what we were talking about. And even as you're mentioning that, I'm thinking about one of my favorite topics, which is innovation and differentiation, is really surprising someone with great service or new product features that they wouldn't expect for things uh, to operate that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and in order to innovate, you need to introduce surprise into your thinking. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just have predictability, which is like the opposite of innovation. Right. So, yeah, right. so is absolutely. there chemistry around surprise in your brain? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's it's actually uh, pretty easy. If, you, if I were just looking at your brain, I would be able to tell when your brain is surprised. Um, one of the first things that happens, we think about it as like a surprise sequence. So rather than thinking of surprise as just one instance, you can actually see it as a sequence of events, a string of events. And the first thing that happens is this freeze response. So in the brain, what's really interesting is that uh, this brainwave called the P300 goes through your through your brain, essentially hoarding all of your cognitive resources and saying, hey, guys, look at this thing. Pay attention to this. Stop everything you're doing and just stare at this thing right now. And it's very, very brief, but a very important moment because – in the midst of all these distractions we have in our new <laughs> our new distracting world, surprise is the thing that really plugs you in and keeps you focused. Um, and then from there you go into what we call the find phase. This is where your brain gets incredibly curious. Um, your brain is flooded with a neurotransmitter called dopamine in the case of positive surprise. In the case of negative surprise, there's a depletion of dopamine, which is important because dopamine is related to motivation and excitement. So whether you're talking about workplace or relationships or your personal life, you want a good balance of dopamine in your brain. 
So surprise is a dopamine activator. You start trying to answer these questions that the surprise has brought up. Um, then the next phase is shift, which is a shift into a different perspective. Um, I could talk forever and ever and ever about just that phase where surprise really prompts you to change the way you look at the world, um, very much related to innovation. And then the last phase is share. Uh, and surprise creates what's called a cognitive burden in the brain. And the way we relieve that burden or that pressure is by talking to people. So that's like if you can remember a surprising thing that happened recently, most likely you just wanted to take a picture of it and post it on Facebook or call and, you know, tell someone you won't believe what just happened to me. Right, that right. find shift, share, all physiological and behavioral responses. Very interesting. So, so then you shift and you talk about surprise in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways you can think about it is that we're kind of at a place in our society where the world is both more and less surprising than it ever was. So it's more surprising because innovation is happening so much faster. Change is happening so much faster. I was just at a conference the other day, and I was watching um, a group of young women, probably in their early 20s, doing, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know what dance, but they all seem <laughs> to know it. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, the, the modern new version of uh, the electric slide. And I turned to the woman sitting next to me, and I'm like, do you know what that is? And she goes, no. I can't keep up with kids these days. And she was about 25. Oh you know, so, <laughs> so for her to be looking at this group, and I'm 30, you know, and, and I feel out of touch. And I think that's because things are just changing incredibly fast. Um, and so on the one <laughs> hand, there's all this rapid change, all this complexity and diversity. On the other hand, less surprise because now I'll almost never get lost unless my phone battery dies. Because I have my GPS, you know, there's there's no more mystery in in travel. Um, right. There's less surprise with the weather. There's big data is giving us more and more insight and predictability. So we've got this really weird relationship with surprise in our world and our work now. Well, and in the book, you talk about actually embracing the unpredictable. And and there are still things that are out of our control. Yeah, I mean, that's the very nature of unpredictable. And I was just talking to somebody today, you know, about some, some things in the financial process with real estate and, and finance. And, you know, and I, I was telling her, I realized I can't actually control the outcome, you know, of this particular situation, but I will feel better, right? I will feel more comfortable if I understand the steps and the normal process, because that way, you know, we can at least have a framework, right, a frame of reference. But but you talk about the, the unpredictable nature of things actually building resilience in us and helping us to reframe our vulnerability and, and also becoming skillful at not knowing. And I thought, I love that one. So, so talk to us a little bit about the concept of embracing the unpredictable. Yeah, well, and I agree with you that a certain amount of preparation is fantastic. I'm not saying we just say, like, throw out all our spreadsheets and our plans and let's just go with whatever happens. I like the idea of some preparation. Um, my concern is that we tend to focus predominantly on preparation, imagining that we can control and predict pretty well. And then when things don't go according to plan, we think that that's a problem. And I think it's actually 
more often than not that things don't go according to plan. And rather than treating that as a problem, rather than saying, oh, shoot, you know, I didn't plan for this correctly, what would be really interesting is shifting into thinking, okay, I was expecting things not to go as planned. What's my opportunity here? What's an opportunity to learn? What's an opportunity to try something different? What's an opportunity to develop an even stronger bond or relationship with the people that are in this situation, in this surprising scenario with me? And, and I think that's one of those modern-day skills that we're really lacking because even if you think about how our school systems work, they focus on knowing. You get graded on how right you are, on how certain you are. <laughs> you know, and no one that. ever tells you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I, I can't quite think of another way that I would grade a test, but you know, I, I used to teach at a, at a university, and my college students would come up to me their senior year, and they looked so miserable, and they felt like failures because they still didn't know what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I think the reason they felt so bad is because they grew up being told it is good to be certain. It is good yes. to always know what's going to happen. But right. I just don't know that that's realistic anymore. And right. I feel like we may as well accept it and work with it um, and find ways to really use it. And if you really, if you listen to stories of incredible growth and transformation, so often, whether it's personal or professional, it comes as a result of a really terrible surprise. Um, so just right. immediately, I mean, I'm not saying don't allow yourself to grieve plan A not working out, but quickly after being able to shift into a reframe and try to see the opportunity, I think, is, is a, a really, really valuable skill. Right, right. You know, I, and I'm wondering just as, as you're talking and as I'm thinking through this whole issue of of the counterintuitiveness of surprise, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I live with a, a very strong faith. I mean, it's foundational to who I am and, and what I do and really how I react to everything, which is one of the reasons that I don't need a lot of certainty because mm-hmm. the certainty, and, and this is the first time I've ever said this out loud, the certainty is actually in knowing that if I'm not in control and I don't know the answers, that that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And And so the ability to grow and and even to be in a place where you can innovate because you don't have to be fearful of the outcome right and and it's that ability to trust and have faith that that you know the things that guide us are going to to do their job right their job is to guide us yeah. and and to get us through the maze of of the challenges and the obstacles and and the connections that we need to make with other people and i i love it that you talk about surprise as the secret ingredients in our best memories also yeah my my coworker leanne renninger um she studied surprise accidentally in the laboratory I guess you could say she was surprised by surprise. <laughs> she, she was um, working with a researcher named Paul Ekman who looks at microexpressions. And her study looked at people's happiest memories. And she was looking at their microexpressions, their facial expressions, those little um, involuntary expressions we make when we talk about anything. And she was comparing, uh, just trying to figure out, like, what are some of the things that we do in our faces when we talk about our happy memories? What she found, though, was that some people, most people, when they describe their happiest memories, just express this emotional pattern of contentment, like, oh, that's really nice. But some of them, a few of them, expressed what's called authentic happiness. They were really fully reliving this emotion 
And so she got really curious. She started looking at what's different about these people who were feeling authentic happiness. And she found that almost in all cases, they were describing a story that included an element of surprise. And it didn't even have to be a very positive surprise. So some of them were near-death experiences. Um, some of them were really awkward moments. Uh, one woman, we talk about the story in the book, but she, she talked about this woman whose high heel broke off on her wedding day. And she had to, like, <laughs> stumble down the aisle in this very awkward oh, way. And no. when she talks about it, she's just able to relive it because surprise is an emotion intensifier. Um, it also sticks in our in our memories. But but as you pointed out, um, you don't want too much surprise either. You want something solid to hold on to, and that could be your faith, or it could be a handful of really strong relationships, or it could be very clear values that you live right. by. Um, so creating this balance, we call it creating kind of a balance on the surprise seesaw. If you have too little surprise, you're bored, you're disengaged, you don't feel fulfilled. If you have too much surprise, you're anxious, you're you're scared, you're overwhelmed. Um, so you want to create this, what are the few things that could be consistent? And then after that, let it go and create those, those memories and have those intensely emotional moments. We like to say we feel most comfortable when things are certain, but we feel most alive when they're not. Mm, I love that. I remember you saying that. So how do I practice skillful not knowing? Mm-hmm. Um, also a couple of things. One is I would say don't, Google when you have a question immediately. I know that sounds like a strange <laughs> little thing, but we're so used to instant answers. Um, yes, and I love Google. Are. I'm not saying don't ever Google, but just sit with a question before you ask it, before you try to relieve that curiosity. I think a lot about the distinction between curiosity and wonder. And curiosity is all about the answers. Wonder is about really reveling and marveling at the questions. And so I think number one is, stretch that wonder. You know, don't don't Google away your wonder. Um, number two, I think a lot about just labeling that feeling of not knowing so that it doesn't feel weird or wrong. Um, I often use this example of a, a company called IDEO. They label the feeling of not knowing being in the fog. And they assume that every project, every creative undertaking will require some amount of sitting in the fog. And instead of walking around and being like, oh, I still don't have the answer. I don't know what's going on. They just say, I'm in the fog. And other people are like, oh, great. That's a great place to be. (laughs) So I think just labeling it, normalizing it, and learning to recognize that sensation and know that it's not a bad thing. That's where some of your most amazing, exciting ideas will happen. Um, And, yeah, I think those are the two main things. The third one, I would say, is learning to ask questions that don't have easy answers so you can just really sit with them and think about things in new and different ways. And, you know, it's so interesting. You talk about being in your thirties and I'm, I'm in my late fifties and I, I, I think about how the older I get, the, the less time I sit and think about things that I don't know, because actually you've amassed quite a bit of knowledge. You know a lot, you're, right? You're in, <laughs> yeah. your, in your late fifties. And, you know, I remember when, when back in my late 20s, because I didn't get married until I was in my early 30s. And I remember thinking about what I wanted in a husband. Mm. And one of the characteristics that were important to me is that I would learn from my husband. Now, I never in a million years would have been able to make a list of the 10 things 
that I would learn from the man who is now my husband, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, but I got my I got my wish. It just wasn't the kind of learning that I thought <laughs> I was going to do. I can right. really relate to that. Yeah, we could do a whole show on that, Tanya. But <laughs> I, I do want to move on to to the the second. Well, it's actually the third part of the book, but the second part of of the topic that you mentioned on the front of the book, which is engineering the unexpected, uh, because that again sounds completely counterintuitive that it's actually mm-hmm. impossible to engineer the unexpected. But you start talking about creativity here, and and about this unleashing that creativity. Yeah, I mean, and this is something that others have already said and researched quite well, but I, for me, it's really helpful to think about it from the perspective of surprise. So if you're trying to come up with an idea, your best chance of that idea being creative is if you allow some surprise into your thinking. What I mean by that is that might be mixing up your idea with totally different perspectives, you know, so um, if you're trying to come up with a great idea for um, an office layout, instead of visiting other offices, start visiting totally different locations. So visit hospitals and visit cafes and really draw from these unusual places so that a, a new and different surprising idea can take place. Um, having conversations with people who are as different from you as humanly possible. And we're so, this is a human thing for us to do. It's comforting. It's to surround ourselves with people who are just like us. And that is the death of creativity. And that is the mm. death of personal growth. Um, so it's really about allowing yourself to be surprised by different ways of seeing the world um, and constantly challenging yourself to look at things differently. You know, so... Uh, taking the things that you see every single day and finding the thing within it that's actually surprising and unusual because we tend to see the world as expected once we've looked at it long enough. <laughs> so really challenging right. yourself to say, what are the surprises here? What little things have I not noticed? I'll do this with like strange little things like I'll be out on a, a walk with my dog and I'll stop and look at a tree and I'll say, okay, you can't look away from this tree until you can find something surprising about it. Um, or I'll, you know, talk to a neighbor. That and are you to saying this to the dog? And is the dog <laughs> You know, the dogs have a way of constantly being surprised in a way that I think <laughs> humans aren't as good at. I don't know what she, I don't know what goes on in her head. I do know that she is surprisable. She gets very easily surprised. <laughs> but But you can do this with, you know. As a human, I can speak only from the human perspective. You can do it with anything. You know. With your spouse, you know, what are the things that I don't know about this person? With your coworker, what are the things, what's the way that I can, what's the question I can ask this person that I've never asked them before? Right. Right. I think that's a now, huge part of just thinking creatively. Yeah. yeah. The the next one that you mentioned is, is uh, an unusual term. It's wielding attention. <laughs> yeah. Well, so surprise and attention go hand in hand. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the first phase of the surprise sequence is freeze. So you're really stuck there and paying attention. Um, and then find, which is that intense curiosity and trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Um, and so I really think about when you need to get attention for your idea, when you need your voice to be heard. So many of us do that through trying to be louder or trying to um, demand attention, and I really think we have to earn it and kind of treat it like this, like you're, I don't know, like a, you can operate this thing called attention. Um, and the way to do that, I mean, there's 
several techniques we talk about in the book, but um, some of my favorites, this one is creating predictable unpredictability. So really setting people up to know that something surprising is going to happen, but you don't know what it's going to be. Um, so some examples of that are, uh, I think Bill Gates did this really, was it Bill Gates? Oh my gosh, I'm having a, a weird uh, moment of <laughs> it forgetting. It can't be a I mean, senior moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Is it a millennial <laughs> moment? Is that millennial what moment? Oh my gosh, I don't know what you call this moment. I need my own term. Is Bill Gates the, 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 the guy that talks about uh, global warming? Uh, probably, yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm Unless so sorry, Bill Gates. <laughs> no, I think I'm talking about Bill Gates. He did a TED Talk, I think, where he brought out a jar of mosquitoes. Um, or at least, he, yeah, he said he had brought out a jar of mosquitoes. And everyone was like, what's, gonna, what's he going to do with that jar? What's he going to do with that jar? They can't help but listen to what he's going to say because he's holding a jar of mosquitoes. And I think what he ended up doing is he was talking about malaria. And he opened up this jar of mosquitoes, let it into the audience. Um, and so everyone had to, had this really emotional moment of like, oh, what would it be like if we were in a room full of mosquitoes with malaria? I hope it's Bill Gates. I'm so sorry if you're not Bill Gates and you did that. Or <laughs> um, I'm crediting the wrong person. But And it doesn't even have to be that dramatic, but just saying things like, okay, in a moment, I'm going to reveal the answer to this question. Or, you know, I, I yeah. do all kinds of at Life Labs New York where I do training for managers and um, for employees. We use these techniques a lot where you will bring in some kind of prop and leave it on the desk and people will be wondering what it is. Or you'll say, okay, you know, take a sheet of paper, write something on it, crumple it up, pass it to the person next to you, but they can't open it for another 10 minutes. Um, so little things that <laughs> oh, really that keep one. getting the brain engaged. It's really fun. Um, and oftentimes we forget to do these kinds of things with adults. We do fun things for attention with kids, and we forget that adult attention is very, very similar to kid attention. We constantly needed to be drawn maybe in even with worse now. interest. Or worse, yeah, with all these, you're battling cell phones and, you mm -hmm. know, Facebook, and so you've got to be more interesting, more surprising. Facebook is addicting because it's full of surprise. You never know what you're going to see there. Um, you know, some surprises are good, some are bad, but it's right. constantly changing, constantly intriguing. So, you know, as, as, humans, we have to be, if we want attention, we have to be more interesting than your, the sum of your social network. Well, definitely. Um, and if you want your, your kids' attention, <laughs> you have to be more, more interesting. I've yeah. got teenagers, so it's, it's, yes. uh, it's a constant battle. Uh, so yeah. the next one is, is about designing delight. And I love, well, first of all, I love the word design. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a solutions designer. I, mm -hmm. I am a business designer. And so I love the idea of designing delight into what I do. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, just I think so many of us forget to be strategic about it, intentional about it. Um, I guess that the quickest way to think about it is our emotions stem from our expectations, just like you said in the very beginning of our conversation. You know, if your expectations are low, you're going to be delighted quite a lot. If your expectations are high, <laughs> you're going to be disappointed every day. This, this is essentially what being spoiled is. Being spoiled is having very high expectations to the point where it's hard to be happy. Um, but if you if you want to design delight for someone, whether it's a customer experience, you know, a relationship, a coworker, you need to be aware of where that person's expectations lie so that you can surpass their expectations. Um, you know, set expectations strategically lower and then jump over that expectation bar. 
um, and, and find little ways to create that constant stream of small delights. And what's hard is every time you delight someone, their expectations go up. So you have to really be intentional with um, making sure that you're managing that expectation bar. So it's not climbing up to the point where all of a sudden now they're expecting more and more and more of you and you can only disappoint them. So it's actually quite challenging to, to do it well. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so the last one in this section is about making experiences. And and again, the, the context of this is about engineering the unexpected and, and uh, the, the making of experiences for the others around you and, and you know, even for, your, for yourself. Yeah, I mean, and again, whether it's a work context, whether it's your personal life, um, we learn and connect and have so many emotions through experiences. And, um, you know, we, we talk about the difference between um, uh, having a cup of coffee or a cup of hot chocolate, let's say, at a store versus having a cup of hot chocolate sitting around a campfire totally different emotional situation because there's more surprise to it. There's more variety. Um, and so one of the ways you can start thinking about your life and your interactions with others is, is this a memorable, emotionally rich, engaging experience? Have I added enough surprise and variety to this situation? So your next meeting, how could you make it more of an experience? You know, could you play music? Could you bring weird snacks? Um, today at Life Labs, we had a team meeting, and Leanne, the, the CEO of the company, said, okay, everyone, we're going on a quick shopping spree. Everyone bring one surprise snack. And, you know, it probably cost us 25 to $30, but it really created this experience where we connected and talked and laughed in a way that was unexpected. Hmm. I love that. I love that. So you end the book talking about everyday surprises, and and this is wrapped up in cultivating relationships and actually surprising yourself. So mm. as as we wrap up, why don't you talk to me about those last two things? Sure. Um, well, the way that I think about it is, um, you know, what what are the patterns in your everyday life? What are the patterns in your relationships? What are the patterns in your own? perception of the world and how you spend your time. And for so many of us, uh, especially as we get older, there's routine sets in. Again, it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's efficient. Yes. And that's fine. We need some level of routine. But we're humans, you know, and, and humans need a little bit of consistency. But we also need variety and challenge. And, you know, there's some fascinating research on boredom that shows that people would rather, for the most part, when given a choice, they would rather apply an electric shock to their skin than sit in a room for 15 minutes and be bored. <laughs> so it's really more painful for us to be bored than it is to feel pain from an electric shock. So, right. you know, I, I think about that a lot and I think, okay, you know, my, my brain, again, it's counterintuitive. My brain is going to tell me have a safe, predictable relationship, have safe, predictable friendships, have a safe, predictable walk to work every morning. Um, but really that's not what's going to be the thing that's going to give me my most fulfilling, juicy, rich, vibrant life and, you know, fulfilling relationships. So I guess just the main thing to think about is what are your patterns? How can you interrupt at least a few of them? It could be as simple as walking left instead of walking right. Or when you come home, what's your routine? 
don't shake up all of your routines, but what's at least one thing you can interrupt? You know, with your significant other, do you always say, honey, I'm home, how was your day? Because if so, your brains are essentially not there. You know, if I were to do an fMRI of your brain, it would be like it's flatlining, like beep, because there's not novelty and surprise there. Our brains react with a lot of activity to surprise. So what's something slightly unusual that you can ask your significant other or your coworker or yourself? You know, I always think about how can I interrupt my own patterns and step outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, and sometimes it's just the need for a change of scenery. I mean, I, I've spent my whole adult life in, in the travel industry, which thrives on people needing to change scenery, right? Yeah, that's a good to, point. To, to yeah. get someplace else because, I mean, I think just uh, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about my own life. And part of it is, you know, we always sleep on the same side of the bed. Even when we travel by ourselves, we sleep on the same side of the bed, not on our husband's side, because that would be weird, right? Yeah. But that weirdness is actually really good for your brain, even though your brain will tell you not to do it. Do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think about every Sunday morning, we sit in the same part of the church. And and it's funny, Mm -hmm. because we recently switched churches actually twice, because we switched Mm -hmm. churches once to go where my daughter's boyfriend was, and then he broke up with her. We thought, oh, "Oh, you know what, that church was a little bit too far away. Anyway, but it's funny, because at the second church, we well, and even the one that we switched from, we always sat in the same place. But when we went to the next church, we didn't sit in that same place in that church, but we always sat in the same place. And and so we're replicating that yet again every Sunday morning in the one we're going to now. And I think how weird is it that there is just, again, that's that comfort thing. And I'm sure the seats on the other side are just as comfortable. Well, going back to creativity, you know, you change seats and you might, see the back of someone's head that you never saw before. You may see the stage from a slightly different place and a new idea or a new thought or a new emotional experience pops into your head. So, yeah, but and again, it's about the surprise seesaw, creating balance. So if you're changing a lot of things, then if you're living in a new city every month, maybe it's great to always sleep on the same side of the bed because your brain needs some consistency. But if you're constantly in the same place and you're constantly with the same people, then you need to really push yourself and switch it up. And emotionally, psychologically, um, physiologically, there's so much evidence that suggests that that's really what keeps us healthy. Hmm. So what is the one thing that you would like to leave with our, our audience about surprise? If they can do one thing to shift their day tomorrow what do you suggest that they do? Oh, boy. So much pressure. One thing. Um, I guess the one thing is actually... Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing I've been thinking quite a lot about is you know, kind of the cousin of surprise, which is wonder. Um, and I think one of the ways to inject surprise into our lives is to allow wonder. And so for anyone that's listening and willing to take me up on the challenge, I dare you to spend an entire week just saying I wonder. Anytime you feel certain about something, anytime you feel sure, anytime you feel right, erase that thought from your mind and replace it with, hmm, I wonder. You know, is there a different way to see this? What's a surprising perspective? And if you forget all those other things, just I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Mm. And just really start to delight in not 
knowing and feel proud of yourself for those moments that you don't know rather than the moments that you do know. I feel another book coming on <laughs> <laughs> called Maybe Wonder. It's time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll have a whole series of related emotions, who knows? But yeah, I mean, that's something that I think we can all use in our world of arguing over who's right and who's wrong. It would be great if we were all just like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I wonder. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Tanya, uh, can you tell our listeners how they can best uh, follow you, find you, get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. Well, so I, easiest would be to, um, well, first of all, look up the book. Uh, it's called Surprise, Embrace the Unpredictable and Engineer the Unexpected. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, this thing you can Google. That's the one thing I think it's, it's okay to Google immediately. <laughs> um, and then uh, you could check out surpriseology.com. Um, that's surprise. O-L-O-G-Y, and um, you can contact me or my co-author, Leanne Renninger, um, and find out about Surprise Ministries or Life Labs, where we do training for companies. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for spending your Friday. Thank you for being flexible on time, since I was surprised with traffic on my way home today. It's and perfect. It's so on topic. <laughs> it, it absolutely yeah. was. So uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And for our listeners, if you would like to know more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, uh, not surprisingly, it's executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. Uh, we are in the process of switching over to a new website, but we still have our old one. Uh, we're going to be framing all of our uh 400 shows that we have done over the course of the last eight years uh, in a little more TED-like fashion so that they're easier to to search. Uh, that should be coming out for our paid membership. And then we also have a Facebook group, again, Executive Girlfriends Group. There's a private group that you can join and also a public group where we post information about our radio shows. So thank you so much for joining us today. Again, this has been the Executive Girlfriends Group on Solutions Live. The book has been Surprise, Embrace the Unpredictable, and Engineer the Unexpected with Tanya Luna. Tanya, thank you so much, and it has been a delightful surprise to have you with us today. I was also going to say delightful. <laughs> thank you. It's been really wonderful. Thank you well, for having me on. It's an honor. Have a fabulous weekend. Thanks so much. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm.